All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining me today, we've got the reigning defending champion of the Challenge All-Stars, MJ Garrett. What's going on, man? What's up, Mike Lewis? I'm happy to be here, brother. Heard a lot of good things about you. Hey, well, I'm finally nice to meet you. I mean, I've been wanting to get you on for, for a little bit now. So, uh, you know, I'm glad we could finally knock this thing out. How are you feeling about this whole uh, process? Man, it's been awesome. It's been great kind of getting back into this world again. You know, like I've told a lot of people and a lot of the media outlets is I had kind of packed up this whole reality TV, real world challenge stuff and, and stuffed up underneath the bed like Mel Gibson in The Patriot, putting his tomahawk and all of this stuff underneath. And then the next thing you know, um, I see that that Mark was putting together All-Stars 1 and they kind of piqued some interest, but wasn't quite quite ready to do that one. And then uh, whenever they called me again about All-Stars 2, I said, dude, that's rock and roll. And the rest has been history. Came back, did even better than I thought I was going to do on it. And, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're about to roll again. What? We're, we're about a week away from the, Six the days, premiere yeah. of All-Stars 3. Yeah. If I would have told you about a year and a half ago that in the next year you would be MJ Garrett defending All-Stars champ in the year 2022. How weird would that have sounded? Dude, it would have been the most taboo sounding thing ever because that's literally, like I was saying, Mike, it was so far off of my radar. But it's just crazy how life works, man. You know, I was, I've always, I love the experiences that I had back in my mid-20s. Uh, you know, it was such a huge part of my life and at that time, I probably took it for granted more than than I do now. That's what I found to be the biggest difference. You know, whenever you're you're getting to go to these amazing locations like, uh, you know, when we were in Mexico, kind of in the Tulum, Cancun area and living in this big, beautiful house. And then in Panama, which everybody will see here in about a week, just how beautiful, freaking amazing this location is. Back in the day, I didn't, it was just kind of like, I'm here, we're partying, we're doing it. I didn't soak in the experience. You know, whenever you get to be my age, I mean, I turned 42 this month, bro. Uh, you start, you start looking at all of like, you know, I'm looking at the details inside these mansions. I'm like, man, that's some nice crowd molding, bro. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, it's totally different, but I love it. I liked how you pointed out about like the, um, you know, change of experience because and taking it for granted, because when I think of like your real world season, like you had to have been coming off this thing like, all right, this guy's like the man, right? You're going on like all these experiences. And it's like that's everybody goes through it. I feel like when they come off the real world, it's like the running of the bulls. I like to call it. Everybody's kind of yeah. like I know a popular thing to do is everybody would jump into the L.A. scene and try to pursue like the whole like, you know, acting and modeling things going on at the mm -hmm. time. And then after a while, I believe you did Gauntlet 2, right? And then after yeah. that was kind of like more of like a sporadic -y appearance type of thing where they kind of had you on the wait list and then you were kind of like an animal in his cage a little bit. Whereas now you're like on both shows, there's no more of the uh, replacement thing going on for you. So it's definitely been a wavelength change, I would say, for you. It has been. You know, I had a really weird uh, experience even getting on this show. And, and I can kind of walk you through that if you want to hear yeah, about it. But so, you know, you're talking about the L.A. stuff. I was born and raised here in Nashville, Tennessee. People probably see me wear this Tennessee oh, yeah. hat all the time. But I, I'm very, very proud of of Tennessee and, and my roots. But I grew up here in Nashville, still live in Nashville, and had the opportunity to play college football at a place called Vanderbilt University, which is an SEC and is yeah. here sm smack dab in the middle of Nashville, Tennessee. And had a good career. Uh, I started for three years. I'm sure you've heard of Jay Cutler. Jake he was Cutler. my quarterback. Yeah, he was my quarterback my senior year to kind of date me and, and when I played. But uh, NFL didn't work out for me, Mike. And whenever I, I wasn't able to, I, I kind of lost my identity whenever I was no longer a college football player. I had this great education from a top 25 school, but I, I didn't know what to do with it. Like I'm, I was a football player. So I had a buddy who was living out in LA in the Santa Monica area. And he, uh, he said, dude, just come out here, get away from Nashville, which is all I wanted to do. I just needed a change of scenery. And he said, you can come out and you, I got a futon in my studio apartment. 
and you can sleep on that and we'll just figure, you know, figure it out from there. So, dude, I headed west and I had no plan. I didn't know what I was going to do. I wasn't really trying to even get into acting or modeling or anything like that. I just wanted to escape. And Mike, I kid you not, I was there two weeks. I was doing nothing but going out and partying at night. I was not even seeing the light of day, really. We were <laughs> farting on his futon, playing video <laughs> games all day. And then I was laying my head and sleeping on that same futon that we were farting on. But, uh, dude, I went out one night, and I ran into somebody that I knew from Vanderbilt and had no idea that she even lived out there. She started kind of introducing me to people. And I was that guy at the time where I was just telling everybody my sob story, like, oh, man, I should be totally making millions in the NFL, but yada, yada, yada. Well, this one dude that I was introduced to just happened to be a casting director for Benjamin Murray, the production company that mm. does the real world. Yeah. And I didn't even, and I didn't even know it, Mike, whenever I was talking to him and make a very long story short. The next day uh, I wake up to a telephone call from the girl saying, Hey, did you remember meeting so-and-so last night? I'm like, yeah, it's kind of that I embarrass you. I'm so sorry. She goes, no, I think that they're interested in you coming in and talking to them about a show called the real world. I went, what? The real world? That show's dumb. Literally, that's the first thing that came out of my mouth. Wow. That show's kind of dumb. Because I'd never, I mean, I it was always on. Because back in the day, it was just reruns nonstop on MTV. But And I watched it some, but I wasn't like an avid fan. So I didn't know that much about it. But I decided to go in a few days later, sat down with them for one interview. Had no idea what I was doing. Had never been on camera like that before, other than doing local sports, you know, interviews and stuff like that. And next thing I know, they bring me in for another one. And after it, it only took about maybe a month, I said, "How'd you like to go live with six other people in Philadelphia?" Uh. So it was like a fast tracked process you would say it, it was so fast and you know i don't know all of the back end stuff but i, I pretty much think that they already had all the, the other six people and they were still trying to fill that last that seventh spot and i just man I, I was very very fortunate and it's changed my life forever you know uh in in good ways in bad ways you know it's <laughs> it's it's kind of been uh that, that whole double-edged sword you know yeah yeah, for the folks that don't really remember, you were like the original athlete coming off the show. I mean, people might, uh, their memories might get clouded a little bit due to like some of the younger kids on the flagship coming up and talking about their athletic prowess. But you, sir, you had quite the impressive resume coming from Vandy, of course. And um, you mentioned about the NFL thing not working out. Did you go on like any of those like mini camps or any of that stuff? Man, so, so it's a very long story, but I'll just make it very, very short. The, the the quick answer is no, but the long answer is I was invited and was gearing up to go and then ended up getting it yanked out from up underneath me, man. Uh, so there's more to that story, but it's I, I, I'm just going with no. <laughs> but it was Indian never explained to you, right? Like why it got yanked from you? Well, the, the Indianapolis Colts were the, the team that I was really supposed to be going with wow. and even did the travel there and everything and it just didn't work out so yeah it's um still to this day i have some regrets a little bit i played wide receiver in in college and my freshman year they they had kind of given me the opportunity or asked me if i would be interested in playing tight end and uh, but i would have had to have redshirted and gained about 30 or 40 pounds and I didn't want to. I wanted to keep the six-pack abs and come in and, and try to play out the gate, you know. Uh, which, again, had a good career. But I think if I could have packed on some more pounds, I, I might have had a better shot at playing in the next level. Yeah. I mean, the only silver lining there is had you gone to the Colts, I think you might have got run out of Tennessee. <laughs> right? Colts and Titans, man. Oh, man. Right? <laughs> You're right. But man, you know, it's uh, it, it was pretty cool though, Mike, because after I got off the the original show, I was I thought I was just gonna come back home, possibly to Nashville, or or maybe still be in L.A. And my buddies and I would watch the show and kind of laugh, and it would be this little thing. And then all of a sudden, it just <clears throat> turned into a much bigger opportunity. You know, yeah. back back in the day, we were talking about it earlier. We used to 
go around the country and do public speaking at colleges and universities all across America. We were paid to just appear at clubs, you know, back before people were doing promotions on, on social media. They were doing old school advertising on the, the freaking radio and putting signs up in all of these little small hole in the wall towns. So you're having MJ from the real world and Cameron from the real world San Diego. San Diego we did yeah. so many. Yeah, we did so many appearances together and we were plastered all across America and we just traveled nonstop. And I did that for almost probably three and a half to four years. Wow. Lost a lot of years on my life during that three <laughs> to four years, too. Yeah. yeah, when I was talking to Brad and I had him on, he was saying he was hitting like 20 cities a month. Yeah. Is that That's what you nice. were doing before your first yeah. challenge? Yeah. And it was, I, I turned down the first challenge that i was offered was the first one that that landon did and won he did the inferno, inferno one of those Infer yeah. inferno twos and they wanted me to do that i even think karamo came in for a little while and yeah, it was did. on that inferno two and because that was the one right after our season stopped airing and i turned it down because i was so busy traveling the country and in my mind i was like well the better business decision is to go ahead and make as much money as i can doing these appearances while it's hot. And then I know that they'll ask me to come back and do more. I don't think Benjamin Murray was too happy about it, but you know. Yeah. I, I talked to like a lot of people when they come off and like the appearances stop, they said like after a while, like they have this feeling of, Oh, this is really cool. Cause I'm getting paid to be here and the fans are recognizing me. But after a while it kind of sets in and then you're like feeling a little bit of an empty feeling about doing these oh, appearances. Well, did that happen? Dude, at all? dude. So you hear about, these, I got to take that hat off, man. Uh, you, you hear about these rock stars getting up on stage and, you know, they'll be in Detroit, Michigan, but they'll get up on stage and be like, hey, Boston, like, you know, yell out the total wrong name of the, the city that they're in. And you'd be like, how could somebody do that? How messed up are they? But man, that kind of stuff happened. Like I would wake up in some cities and be like, where in the hell am I at right now? Because it was just night after night after night after night and you know all the booze was paid for and it's just you had to be on like you were just non-stop having all these conversations and it just all turned into this big blur and you told the same story over and over and over so in a lot of ways you number one you weren't healthy physically or mentally whenever you're doing it and then number two you when you start telling the same story over and over and over it kind of loses its luster, its luster a yeah. little bit, and but that's why it's so cool now. Coming back on, you know, shit, Mike. Almost what, eighteen years later, eighteen years later, not yeah. more. Twenty and and talking to you, and these stories feel fresh again. You know, it's it's like I'm not really reliving the glory days, but it's kind of like, oh, I remember that, and the story's probably a little bit different now than it was back then. Would you say that you stepping away from the social media and like the spotlight of the show for the while that you did, was that like an organic process or was that a conscious effort made on your end? That's a great question, Mike. Um, I think it was a mix of both. Uh, truly, I was, you know, Facebook or it was MySpace was the big thing that started coming out back in the day. And and I remember seeing somebody, uh, I think it was Brad. Brad was doing a great job. Wow. Audio he, he was a killer on that one, he said. <laughs> yeah, man. And was, uh, you know, they were doing running promotions through that. And I just never, I, dude, this is going to sound stupid now, but I was like, man, this is never going to take off. This is dumb. This Twitter stuff's dumb. Who cares? Who cares what I have to say? Like, I was that person. So I just never jumped on board. So that's the ignorance part on my on my end or just not knowing what it was going to be. But then also, man, I, I was one of the first ones to start up a family. And, you know, mm. I had a uh, that's one of the things that slowed me down the most as far as the career. I shouldn't say slowed me down, but made me have to make some life decisions um, was whenever we had our first daughter, Bella. You know, I was 26. Uh, when we had her and just that lifestyle was not very conducive to being the type of father that I wanted to be um, and, you know, trying to have a a, a more, uh, if you want to say, consistent living. 
and <laughs> consistent paycheck coming in instead of yeah. just worrying about who the next bar owner was that was going to call me. So that, <laughs> that kind of like got me out of that world a little bit. And I focused more on the, the public speaking more than anything. And I love doing that. So I, I kept doing that and even took that into corporate America with myself or, and use that as a skill uh, for some of the companies that I worked for and would go around and speak on their behalf some of these companies. So uh, that was a long answer to your question, but uh, yeah, it was both conscious and ignorance <laughs> of why I kind of got away from it. Did, did the reality stuff ever come up when I uh, go into companies? Cause that's like a big focus I talk about with my guests. They say like, you know, after reality stuff gets done and then when they're going to their like companies or jobs, it's like a conversation that ends up coming up. Did that happen mm -hmm. for you? Constantly. Still does. Wow. Um, it's and again, it goes back to that that double-edged sword. Like it's a, um, it could be a great thing, especially if you're in sales, because it can help you get past the gatekeeper. People recognize you, especially with me being a, a freaking six-three dude with this crazy-ass blonde curly hair. <laughs> curly hair. Stick, it kind of just sticks out a little bit. Yeah. And it and it helped me early in my career get past whoever was there kind of at the, the front desk of what we would call a gatekeeper to get back to the true decision makers. But here's the, the flip side of that. You could use that to get in the door, but then once you actually got in front or once you get in front of the decision makers, you have to make sure that they know that you're not just a gimmick, that you're not somebody who's just the TV personality, the wild person. And a lot of times they just view you as that and won't take you as seriously. And the same is and the same is true for a lot of professions. You know, that's why a lot of the uh, folks have a hard time breaking into entertainment uh, and, and like more professional forms of entertainment after this, because you just get stereotyped as that reality star. And they don't think that you really have skill. But there's so many people that you're seeing now that truly do have talent. But reality was just their way in the door. You know, and, and I'm so glad to see that the door is opening up for more and more people. You know, even Karamo, like seeing the success that he's had for my season, like, dude, it's mind blowing to me that he's been able to transition and, and, and go into, you know, a few little hosting jobs to clear out for the straight guy. To, I saw him the other day in the National Airport. I, I, got, I was going to ask post. about that after this. Dude, mind-blowing, but he's about to have his own freaking daytime show. talk show. It's yeah. insane, bro. <laughs> I feel like coming off your season, too, if you would have asked anybody, like, who's going to be, like, the person that's getting the talk show? Everybody would have been like, you are landing first, right? Like, Probably. They're like, these guys are going to be the ones that are social media heavy. They're going to be yeah. in front of this you know, TV for 20 years. But Karamo is yeah. the one guy that's like consistently just stayed in front of the cameras for this oh, entire duration. Dude, and it's been amazing to see what he's done. And, and you know, it's, <laughs> we kind of have a, a unique or had a very unique relationship when we were on the show. You know, we weren't that close at all. There was definitely some tension there. Um, no tension for, because of what they probably wanted tension for. But we just really didn't jive that well. And, dude, we had not seen each other. Since the show. In, since the show in 18 years. And then not even, what, a month ago, I'm in the Nashville airport about to fly out to Peru where I'm going on this, like, crazy spiritual journey all by myself to go sit with Ayahuasca, Mother Aya, in <laughs> middle of nowhere Peru. And all of a sudden – Karamo reaches out to me on through Instagram because he saw a little post that I did and goes, Hey man, I'm in the Nashville airport. What gate are you at? Well, I'm at C18. He goes, what the fuck? I'm at C19. So he was literally at the gate right next to me. They had wow. already boarded, but we got delayed because the weather was real bad here. So he got off the plane and we reconnected right there in the Nashville airport. And he just happened to be here because of the CMT awards he was hosting or, or presenting an award or something like that. And dude, it's just amazing to, to reconnect with him and see everything that he's doing. Did all the memories start to flood back from, uh, they did. 
Really? They did. They, they truly did. And it was, you know, I was honored to be a part of, of him coming out. I mean, that's really what happened. Like whenever we first got, when we first got in the house, nobody knew that he was gay, you know, at, at all. And then it was probably, I don't know if it was a week or two weeks had gone by. And then there was that classic scene where Landon and I are next to Karamo and we're about to go out and then everybody was going to a gay club and Landon and I were like, well, we've never really been to a gay club before. We'll go. Karamo, have you ever been? He's like, yeah, a lot. And it was kind of like where I went. Yeah, your jaw dropped for about 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> but it was awesome, man. And that's one of those classic moments, I think, in reality history where, I mean, that was a huge deal for a lot of people and not just for Karamo, but mm. for his community, you know. Um, and that's what reality television is supposed to be about. And I always, it's not supposed to all this bullshit that you're seeing these days, this more stage stuff and people coming in with an agenda. It used to not be like that, Mike, at all. And I'm so glad you brought that up, MJ, because all the old school guests that I've recently had on, we always talk about the contrast and how the genre is just I would consider the genre dead at this point in terms of the word reality. I think now reality TV is basically just a name more than it is a meaning at this point. I think nowadays, you know, you'll probably see people who are already established just coming on to kind of, you know, milk their followers or their brands and stuff. Whereas like the real conversations don't really exist anymore. I mean, that's just kind of my take on the situation, but. Well, and you know, I've been fortunate since coming back that I've, I've, been doing shows with people that were cut from the same cloth as me you know that we came up through that same uh, experience and it's been refreshing you know on all stars three there might have been a little bit of that you know but uh, uh, uh people coming in with some agendas uh which you'll see here and pretty soon but overall yeah it's um it, it would be very hard for me to deal with somebody who is just trying to stir shit up just <laughs> to stir it up. I mean, it's naturally going to happen whenever you have very strong personalities inside a house and you have this pressure cooker of emotions and stress and doubt and insecurity and just pure adrenaline really because you're always worried about so i don't care what anybody says everybody in these houses are wigging out whenever you're in the chat i don't care who it is everybody's on edge even if they look like they're cool and it's not affecting them everybody's a mess okay and so you can i can deal with that type of stuff and natural stress that comes out of people but somebody just coming in and yeah one of the most realist scenes that I think you'll ever see on reality TV since we were just talking about Karamo, and I was watching this yesterday actually, was the whole scene at the club when uh, I think the cops surrounded him or something like Dude. that. And then you Dude. two were having this conversation, but I would say like out of the most out of most people that were on your season, you were probably the one that kind of felt like the culture shock the most because you were coming from like a background where you weren't exposed to like all the different walks of life yet that some of your other castmates had gone through. So for you to see that, it was almost like you genuinely like this was all foreign to you even to where Karamo is on a different wavelength than you. And to see that was just such a raw moment. Dude, it gives me, it gives me goosebumps. And you yeah, see, see it on there, wow. even, even thinking about that moment because cut to just, the past, I don't want to put years, a, a certain number of years to it, but all of the things that we're seeing that have, that have happened to people being profiled. And, uh, dude, that moment right there that you're talking about is a great example of how a lot of people in our society are just dumb to it like I was. You know, I mean, I was a totally different person. Then. I didn't even in my mind, I didn't even think that they would possibly be doing this to Karamo because he was a black guy in my mind at the time it was like oh well we're on we got cameras around us and somebody just called in a freaking prank then it could have happened to karamo it could have happened to me it could happen to willie it could have happened to sarah shivana you know it could have happened to anybody but really it wasn't like that like i mean it was he was racially profiled in that moment 
but I was I was ignorant to it. And I hope people can learn from that. I know I sure as hell learned from it. Um, I just recently went back and watched the entire season myself, and I hadn't watched all the episodes in years and years. And that was tough for me to watch, man, even though I thought I was helping him. Being like, dude, Karamo, just get away from it. Why are you making a fucking scene? I really thought I was helping him. And you see me even after yeah. the fact, like, dude, like, talk to me. Let's make up. But he was he was irate and rightfully so because I didn't understand. So I appreciate you bringing that up. I almost wish that people will go back and watch that scene because it's a it's a powerful scene. For sure. Would you say that you came out of this experience having like a better understanding of yourself in a way? Oh, God. Loaded question, kidding? right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Like I was the I was the perfect person to put on it. Like, I mean, I don't have a, a racist bone in my body or a, you know, uh, I don't judge or anything like that. But you just don't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's a lot of times it's nobody's fault when if you're brought up in a, in a more sheltered environment but that show for me helped me to just get out and get outside of my comfort zone get out of my little freaking bubble and it forces you to open your eyes but that's where it gives somebody like me i hate using this term i really hate using it but it's it's a real term that i mean it just is what it is I have a platform to to talk about it. And there's a lot of people that will listen to what I have to say and maybe were similar to me. And I think that I have made an impact on um, on these colleges and universities that I used to speak to. And to this day, the way that I conduct myself and, and carry myself. Mm. How did you maybe feel about how your story on your real world was, I guess, per- depicted because we kind of saw bits and pieces of you you know we just kind of basically got a little of the basis right was you know you're a former athlete and then we just saw obviously kind of like your party moments do you feel like there was more to you that wasn't shown or at that time was kind of accurate there was there was definitely more to me i, I think that they if you really want to know mike i uh and i really I, I don't think i've ever shared this on a public deal or like a podcast or in any media, but, and I, th- this could totally be wrong, but what I think they were really trying to play up on or were wanting to play up on was how devastated I was that the, that football was no longer a part of my life. So we worked for the Philadelphia soul, which was the arena league football. Yeah. Team. All right. Bon Jovi was our, bon Jovi. Our shit. yeah, man. Uh, but this, when, by the time we moved to Philadelphia, their season was already underway, okay? And the only reason that that happened is filming got pushed back several months, okay? Because of, they were having a fight with the local union there on building the set or, or whatever. They weren't using their people. Into them. And so it all got pushed back. What I think that they ultimately wanted to have happen was for us to come in and then me have the opportunity to try out for the team and to play for the Philadelphia soul. I truly, truly believe that and trying to play because I would have done it in a freaking heartbeat to be able to play more because there was a, and they really didn't show the moments that uh, I had that were very emotional about me just feeling kind of like a piece of shit out on the field, throwing t-shirts up into the stands. And it's kind of like, dude, this is what I'm doing now. Like I was the one out here catching touchdown passes and, you know, with the dudes and, and all now I'm, I'm like trying to get the fans excited. Like it was a very humbling moment for me. So I don't think they really followed that very much. Um, I was also going through a lot of personal stuff with my parents at the time. Hmm. And, and I, um, I didn't, the production company and MTV probably wasn't too happy about this, but, but I was, I kept that very close to my chest. I, I, I talked about it a lot during my casting because it was such a raw and um, deal for me at the time. But then whenever I went on the show, kind of told myself, this is what I'm doing. I don't need to bring in anybody else in my family. And, you know, uh, to this day, I, I, I kind of 
I kind of regret in some ways not sharing some of that stuff because number one, I think that there's a lot of people out there that could have resonated with me, but also maybe it would have put a little pressure on some of my family members to, to get their acts together, <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm never going to throw anybody under the bus. Yeah. But, but, people, but I feel like they depicted me well. I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm not ashamed of anything that I did on the show. I'm mm-hmm. not, um, uh, I'm never going to be one of these people that, that says, well, you know, they tried to make me look like I was somebody that I truly was. Normally the people that are saying that Mike, are the ones that mess up and do something bad. And then they try to flip it and say, well, no, well, I mean, they, if you say something, you say something like you can't kind of. Dude, yeah. a video camera is not going to lie. Now they can add music to it and they can, can, can maybe change slice. the order. Yeah, you and I can get in an argument on uh, on a Monday and get over it on Tuesday, and then maybe it flares back up when we're drinking on Friday, and they kind of pull Monday and Friday together and can make it just because they have to. I mean, they're you know you're making a television show, and yeah. uh, you know pe- and people are only seeing less than you know zero zero point one percent of the footage. It's there, so they have to somehow piece it all together. And it's not like they have a camera just in your face <laughs> the entire time to catch every word that you say. That must have been I, one thing I did notice that I don't know if I've really pinpointed this on other real world seasons. They had like cameras, what felt like everywhere in your house. There were so many <laughs> scenes of you and Landon in the shower, and then you've got like the freaking like I don't know if you've seen it in the NFL, they have like the pylon cams now. That's essentially what they had. <laughs> It's like they put a fucking camera in the fucking faucet or something. Dude, they, uh, yes, it seemed like it, man. The, the only, in that house, the only area that they did not have a camera was in the uh, the actual, like, where the toilets were at. There were two toilets, and there was a, a door that you opened up, and it was, dude, it was a tiny little room. Like, I would, if I had to... <laughs> you, know, you know, do number two, pinch a loaf, whatever you want to say. I would sit in there, my knees almost touched the door. It was like the smallest little room ever, but there were no cameras there. But yeah, they were everywhere else in that community bathroom. And there was also one other place. This is pretty funny. Probably going to regret talking about this, but uh, they also didn't have a camera in our closet. Okay, and Landon and I had this pretty big closet because mm-hmm. all of his stuff, yeah. all of my stuff. And there was one night whenever we had gone out, and I decided I came back and went in the closet with, you know, someone, and <laughs> and it kind of leaned up against the door so production couldn't come into the closet. And what was so funny is that I kid you not, Mike, the next day they had a camera inside our closet. <laughs> No shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the, the whole camera thing, I don't know what everybody else says about it, but it, it's almost, it takes about two days to get used to those cameras being on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it even kind of caught me off guard a little bit coming back for All Stars 2. You know, we, we get off the airplane, we're sitting on the bus, and all of a sudden the camera comes in the bus, and they're not even really filming for the show. But they're just there to maybe pick up some B-roll or to, to see how we're all interacting with each other. And it was just kind of like, oh, oh, like it was just there again and kind of. But then it fades away. Then it just yeah. becomes it's weird when it's not there. Uh, and that's what I tell people filming the real world. It was harder coming out of that experience and not having the camera than it was coming into it because it becomes your family. Like. You develop these these relationships with production and, and the, especially the camera guys because we can't talk to them. They can't talk to you. So you have these very unique, this very unique relationship, this unspoken relationship with them where there's a respect there and you feel like you get to know who that person is. We could be totally wrong, but man, that's uh, I, I respect what they do for sure. I mean, you're usually not supposed to speak to them. David Burns from Seattle, I don't know if you know him, he actually had a relationship oh, yeah. on the show with one of the 
I think camera people are producers, I feel like. I think yeah. it was. Oh, yeah. 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 Then they both got kicked off, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, I think the camera person got fired yeah. on the show. Well, that's, that's in our contract. I mean, you're not supposed to have any type of, of uh, relationship with anybody there. And, and now, back in the day, I think they would just kind of threaten to kick you off the show. But now, dude, they're fining people all kinds of money. And, like, if you break – that that barrier that you get fined if if you go and try to have a conversation off camera you get fined like legit money for if you try to sneak a, a cell phone into the house i mean people are getting fined I, I don't want to put numbers out there but enough that you would be like oh my god especially back in the day too let's just say like around the time of the two gauntlets that you did probably even the duel too the appearance fees were probably not even like nowhere near what they are now. So it, it was getting docked out of uh, getting docked out of your pay a little bit if you would make a slight infraction. Well, well back then, I mean, I, I, I was never docked any pay, but it was uh, it wouldn't take much and they would take your whole paycheck away. <laughs> I mean, back in the day, just to do the, the real world. I mean, you didn't even make enough to buy shit, an man. iPhone. Yeah, right. An iPhone. <laughs> um, so, anyways, but I, I think that they should pay folks more because you're putting your life out there, you know. But the yeah. problem is, is there's so many people that would come in and would pay money to be on the show. Oh, they yeah. Pay production to let you be. So, I, I get it. What about yours and Landon's dynamic? Because I think the show tried to make you guys seem like the tag team partners of the world, right? Like, you guys mm -hmm. had the matching tattoos, the curly hair. <laughs> Was that like a, a real thing, did you feel like? Or was that something that like the show kind of heightened in a sense? Landon and I had a, um, we had a good relationship. I mean, we obviously coming into the house, we had the most in common with each other because coming from our backgrounds. But we were both kind of at different places in our lives whenever we came in. Uh, this is going to sound really weird when I say this, but it won't sound weird. It is what it is. Landon and I both are like really sensitive dudes. All right. Mm -hmm. But we're, we kind of have these tough shells on us and we're, you know, he's a phenomenal athlete. I feel like I was a good athlete and people would just kind of view us as, uh, but we were both emotional. Hell, that's why we were on the show. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If, if we were just all brawn and no heart and yeah. soul, then it wouldn't have come off. So we definitely had some moments where um, I think we're like some emotional moments. Like there was a while where there was a little tension between us. And I, Mike, I, to this day, I can't even tell you what it was. I, I think it was whenever I had a buddy that came in to visit. Uh, I don't know if whenever you rewatched it, if you saw there was, he was a, a seven foot, Black guy that I grew up with, David Harrison, he played for the – while I was on the show, he had just been drafted by the Indiana Pacers, and he wow. came to visit. And uh, I think David had said something to Landon like, yeah, MJ is – you're just kind of seeing a watered-down version of him on the show. Because David knew all about kind of some of the personal stuff I was going through with some family members and – he knew about this breakup that I had had at the time with the girl. He really knew about how when the NFL didn't work out, how it was crushing me. And I didn't share it as much with Landon, who you would I thought I would have. And I think that kind of rubbed Landon the wrong way to where he thought that maybe I wasn't who I was acting like I was. And that might have created some tension there. But, you know, uh, I've got so much respect for Landon. Yeah, I, I would I would love to be able to for him to get his ass back on one of these shows to where we could be on the same. Do you imagine if we could be on the same team together, Mike? Hey, if they if they ever do a battle of the seasons type of format, real world Philly might clean up the clean up. Dude, the, <laughs> clean up. It would be fucking amazing. So I'm hoping that he's watching these shows and seeing what's going on. I just need to give him a call. Uh, we stayed somewhat in contact, but not nearly as, as close as I'd like us to be. But, you know, you kind of, we all grow up and move on with our lives and have different yeah. interests. He, he, he's kind of someone who's kind of, it seems like he's kind of past 
the show in a way like he's he's he did his time in the sun but now he's kind of settled down and stuff and like i don't know i think it would have to be like a situation would have to be perfect or the stars would have to align for him to uh well it'll be interesting you know i don't know if he wants to do the challenges anymore or what but you know they're doing all these homecoming shows now i could i could see him doing that yeah and it's a uh he wouldn't have to risk coming back. And if he doesn't win a challenge, then kind of losing his, you know, king of the, the, the challenge world. Uh, but let me just put it this way, Mike. If they call us to do one of these homecoming shows, it will happen. And the, the person that I didn't think that we could get to come back to do it would be Karamo, but he's 100% on board to do it. So I can see that happening. You think everybody would uh, co-sign? Yeah. Okay. Wow. I really, really, I do. I mean, I think it would come down to probably Landon if if he would want to do it. But I mean, you're only filming for like two weeks. Two weeks. So th- th- yeah, these things are not, you know, like the like the challenge now to do All Stars. <clears throat> it's not near as long as the flagship show. But you know, if you stay to the very end and win that motherfucker, you're there for almost uh, a little over a month and a half. So, which is a long time whenever you're our age and got careers and families, but it's worth it. Yeah. Could you ever see yourself doing the flagship if it uh, were to cross your path? There's no doubt. Really? There's no doubt in my mind. You know, I'm, I'm coming off an injury right now. I had my ACL uh, totally reconstructed in January. So I've been going through physical therapy and doing all of that, but. By the end of, really, by the end of this year, by December, I'm going to be 100% back. So, yeah, there's, uh, I'll just put it this way. There's some exciting stuff coming up. That's true. That's a, that's a good place. to. <laughs> <laughs> what was Philadelphia like? Because I've seen and I've heard, because when I was talking to Kahuta, they obviously had his season in Australia, which is like a very different wavelength than like a Philadelphia where it's like, all right, everybody knows the whole song and dance here. Were you guys getting like a hard time in Philadelphia? I think you know the answer to this question, Mike. If you watch the show at all. I saw a stool was thrown at you. It was one thing that stood out. <laughs> Wasn't there? There was a bar fight too. Someone got like glass in their back. I remember seeing. Yeah, it was. It was a guy that we were with. But before I answer that, what about? Don't you love Kahuta? Oh, that guy's phenomenal. He's one of those guys. Like, if you could just listen to him talk, that would be like, yeah, my job. Dude, dude, he's the best, man. I just got to throw him out some some props, man. My my first time to meet Kahuta was filming All Stars Two, and they really didn't show it that much. But we were inseparable or inseparable like we were together the entire time like i'm like yeah i can just sit there and listen and i am a southern guy but that motherfucker is real southern <laughs> listening to him talk <laughs> i still laugh on all stars too after i think it might have been like the second episode you guys were the two names up for deliberation and then like you're not even mad about it you just turn to him and you're like <laughs> country boys <laughs> well I kind of knew that he was going to be voted in, so well, I think I was yeah. a little bit more lax. <laughs> mm. Oh, man. But to, uh, to answer your question on Philly, and let me preface this by, by saying, by no means, with what I'm saying right now, and I'm trying to say that all of Philly is bad or, or I don't like Philly. I think there's some stuff online where it looks like people said I hated Philly, which I don't ever remember even saying that i think it's one of those deals where it kind of got taken out of context but dude um from the moment that we got to philadelphia we we had a hard time you know our house was in old city in a great area a great location but there was a starbucks mike that was right across from our um, from our house okay and the way that it worked is our, the windows in our room, we could open up and literally like sit out there and catcall or, or just, you know, just feel the energy from the city. And sometimes it was great. You know, there's there's people yelling, oh, we love the real world and there's all that kind of stuff. But more often than not, 
as soon as we walked out of there, people would almost post up at that Starbucks right across because it gave them a reason to come down there. And it was it was not good. You know, it was get out of our city. Real world sucks. I mean, we would have stuff thrown at us at times. You know, you only saw like a select few events that happened where it was in close quarters. But just walking up and down the streets was tough, man. The people did not like seeing the cameras and they admit, immediately think, oh, look at these douchebags. Yeah. Type thing. Um, and it really kept us from getting out, or I'll speak for myself, it kept me from getting out and exploring the city as much as I wanted to. Like we kind of just stayed in a centralized area because uh, I even think some of the, a lot of the bars and stuff didn't sign off to have us come in there because that's the thing that, that people don't understand. We, in order to go places, the actual businesses have to sign release forms saying that they're okay with us coming in. And then the people that are there in the bar, if they're caught on camera, they have to sign, like, it's a whole freaking thing. And um, I don't know how it is with other seasons, but there's a lot of places we just couldn't go because they didn't want us to come in. Uh, but yeah, there was the one night that uh, Landon and I went out just to have a few drinks before something. And I go in, we sit down, they put the little light in the middle of the table. Landon gets up to go get us a couple beers. I'm sitting there and then I can, I kind of, I can remember this like it was yesterday. I see like some energy coming from this direction right here. And all of a sudden it's a dude, he's holding a bar stool and just launches it at me. I kind of deflected. it. Thank God I hadn't started drinking yet. It'll probably just hit me right in my phone. <laughs> but kind of deflect it. And then I go to to jump up. This was probably about a month into filming. I go to like jump up, natural reaction. You're trying to protect yourself. And also I was thinking about Landon. What's happening to him? Because he went in that direction. And that was the first time, Mike, that I realized we had security around us. Because that dude that threw that stool... He just went from here to shoo, <laughs> gone. They yanked his ass out of there so fast. And that's how security had, that's how they worked with us in that city. Maybe in every city is if we provoked it with somebody, like if I went in and I threw a bar stool at somebody, then let the, the camera roll, you know, we would have to, whatever, if a fight happened, then a fight happened. But if somebody's trying to, hurt us for no reason then there was security there to take care of them and there's probably no telling how many times they had to do stuff like that that we didn't need to know about that's just crazy like i can't even believe people would actually bring themselves to doing something like that dude I'm, you say that but I'm, it, I'm sure you've been out and been i mean if people they get enough to drink in them and and maybe you know we're getting a lot of attention and it's, we're not trying to do anything bad, but it just that it you not those cameras naturally bring obviously a lot more attention to you. And people get pissed off. I mean, you and I wouldn't do it, but no. Out there that no. So you make your debut on Gauntlet 2, which is one of my favorite seasons, might I add. Great, Great cast. Guys are seen having parties and fun times. Like <laughs> I think that's something that lacks these days, you know. Yeah. Kind of maybe maybe the more of the direction now is more sport than reality, I would say. And obviously you're a former athlete. So like what is what do you make of that? Do you like that it's taken the direction as a sport or you yeah. feel like there should be a 50 50 balance? Dude, I, I love that it's taking on uh, more of a sport. You know, it's uh, that was more refreshing to me because you take like the gauntlet, too, for example. We had an absolute blast. Don't get me wrong, bro. Like we it was just it was a different time back then Mike we, we would go to to the eliminations well first off it was unlimited alcohol so like it was just and I'm sure you've heard this and other yeah. people that you've interviewed like they were wanting to to get us riled up and we were drinking any night that we wanted to drink we could drink you know if, hell if you wanted to take a squirt bottle of vodka and, and onto a challenge to, Onto a challenge you could, and then in these eliminations, if you weren't competing in there, we were all sitting back, like, drinking as we were watching, and it just kept kind of riled up, which is probably good for TV in that sense, but 
in the nature of the sport and, and doing it, it just, eh, it wasn't so, but cut to now, I mean, it's much more limited for sure. You know, it's kind of weird as a, as a, you know, 42 year old dude. It's like the kids. opposite, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's the opposite. It's, it's kind of like they're coming up and they're saying, well, let's uh tonight we're not going to allow you guys to have any alcohol and uh well it's saturday we're going to give you three drinks and then maybe later on we'll give you some more so i mean that was also kind of weird too coming mm -hmm. back to all stars because they really try to limit the most but most people there know how to partake and it's yeah. a little different than back then but uh yeah man it was a it was a different world for sure but i like the way it is now i mean i and I think that the fans are truly seeing that too. Like there are people are following, like doing stats and like, it, it's blowing my mind. I, you know, I'll have stuff come across my, my Instagram and, and stuff like that, where like people have broken down how much money I've won and all of my, how often I'm doing a confessional and how much airtime, like people are really into this shit. Uh, yeah, awesome. You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Well, you tell me about some of this. I mean, what's some stuff that you've seen out there? Like, are they? Oh, everything that you just you just stated is exactly what I'm seeing. Like, this isn't stuff that would ever like cross anybody's mind back in the day. Like, nobody would think. Like, I'm sure not even you. You're not probably on a show. Like, I wonder once I get off this, who's gonna have uh, my calculations of how many confessionals I've given, how much money I've won. Like that's probably nothing that crossed anybody's mind like 15 years prior to this, 20 years prior to this, you know? So, but that's yeah. all comes back to the social media aspect of things. Well, and, and I think that the show got a boost because uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. You'll probably know the guy from Sports Center that said that the challenge is becoming oh. like the fifth. Orlovsky? Orlovsky, and then there's another guy that said that the challenge is literally becoming America's fifth sport or something like that. One Bill of these Simmons. other guys. Bill Simmons, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and I think he's right, man. I mean, they're getting, people are taking this serious, Mike. I mean, when I say people, I'm talking about the challengers that are coming in and wanting to be in shape and training the right way. Um, I don't really watch the flagship show as much. I've, I've started kind of going back and seeing it because I have a feeling I'm going to be competing against some of these young bucks and I, I want to get to know their stories. And I mean, these dudes and, and uh, males and females are in great shape. bro. And right now, nobody's regulating if they're taking performance enhancing. Stuff. That's the first thing I'm looking at. Like, what's this? What's this dude taking, bro? Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing I like to ask OG guests too around that time frame when you were on your original stint. Was the challenge during like the Gauntlet 2 to Duel 2 era, was that something you seriously had to train for? Or were people kind of more so focused on the aesthetic aspect of it? Aesthetic. Uh, I, I, and I can only speak for myself. Like I, those first challenges that I did, man, I didn't train for any of that. Like it was more, hey, we're going to go and. You know, the finals were not near as hard back then. No. Uh, hell, the Gauntlet 2, I didn't even run in the final. It was like the easiest day that I had while I was there. Like, What, what happened there again? Because I've heard some stories about like people seeing the final the night before and they had to switch it up. Were you, were you one of those people that saw it? Yeah, man. So rumor has it. I don't think any of us have the, the real story, but rumor has it that – because that was in Trinidad and Tobago that – at that time, the, <laughs> the the sea turtles were nesting, and I think that they had the final challenge to be ran along the beach, and it had like this real big like beach atmosphere thing where you were going to be putting – and the government stopped production from doing that because the turtles the sea turtles were about to like hatch the next day or something weird so they had to change it all up and you know it turned into like this eating contest and then you had to bet money and, and booty or whatever it was it was i'll be straight up dude it was so dumb it was so dumb our three best athletes didn't even compete in it 
you, you know, Alton, Alton, and Landon. And, and we didn't need, we just sat there and watched everybody. It, hey, it's great. You know, we won, but I did not enjoy that victory near as much as All Stars 2, where I literally almost died, which you didn't really see, but it was bad. <laughs> Now, was that where your injury came from, All-Stars 2 and carried over into 3, or are you not willing to let on? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really say that much about it, but no, it did not happen in um, in All-Stars 2. Okay. All. Uh, yeah, it, it was not. It was, uh, I'm going to kind of let that one play out for you a little bit. Yeah, but that's fine. Yeah, it, uh, but I was in bad shape, man. Like, after that final was over with, because my body totally shut down about um, before we started uh, phase two, which there was all that controversy and all that bullshit. But the um, like I was cramping up like in my, my abdomen and my kidneys. And because we did the whole sleep deprivation the night before, they really didn't let us eat that much food at all that morning before we started. And we didn't eat anything that entire day. And what really saved me in that final was eating that bullshit food the gross stuff yeah the gross stuff you know that goblet of blood that i could barely hold down and throwing up everywhere and then the you know fish eyes and ugh, ugh. Well, but it was but it was giving me something in my in my body to be able to carry on you know in, in some weird way it's almost like you did what you didn't get to do on gauntlet 2 during the all-stars 2 with that eating thing then right because double time yeah double yeah. the time yeah D- double the time and i did it's you whenever you're coming in to compete in all of these shows now i don't care if it's the og stuff with the the all-stars or obviously with the flagship if you're going i don't care how good your political game is if you are really coming in and want to win that show you have to be in shape like mm-hmm. you can't I hate when people say you skate your way through to the victory. You can't skate your way through to the victory because you have to go in and compete and have grit. And, yeah, there's puzzles and stuff like that. But, bro, <laughs> we probably went 40 or 50 miles that day. Wow. And you, but you don't see that. Like, you, you, can't, you can't see that because everything's kind of chopped up. But between the running and the jogging, the biking, it had to have been – 40 to 50 miles it was it was a long day it was the best day of my life though it was amazing well one of the best days of my life it was amazing. <laughs> one of the best days yeah bro <laughs> when you get the chance you have to go on paramount plus and you have to go to a season 34 33 of the challenge the flagship one and watch that final because that's the one they call the hardest one in the history of the show it was brutal since we're talking about what, was it was it hot or cold hot they were in like the desert or something like that who won that season? I think this guy Turbo won it from Survivor Turkey. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard about this Turbo guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we what, were talking what? about... Oh, go ahead. Oh, you got it. Okay. No, um, yeah, we were talking about the training aspect of the challenge and how, like, different it is now compared to back then. Oh, but yeah. even back then, if there was a training element, they kept you on kind of, like, the the hold list for the final two seasons that you did to even if you wanted to train it was almost like bro bro it was bad like because back then they didn't have alternates already on site there on site so for example on uh it would have been the gauntlet three i literally gauntlet three i was in miami at the time, whenever I got the call from them, I had been hosting an event, was in a bad way. I think even when they called and they were like, hey, is there any way that we can get you to Mexico? I think it was Puerto Vallarta or, or whatever. And they're like, can we get you here and tomorrow? And I was like, there's no way I can get there tomorrow, but I could possibly in two days. And they were like, well, just where do we need to fly you out? I was like, well, I got to go home and pack and, and then tell my family like it was a whole thing but i committed to doing it so i fly back from miami get home the next day i pack i just try to like get my life together and then flew out the following day and then show up and then i'm literally competing like boom so 
what I'm, what I'm getting at is there's a physical aspect of it that back then it might not have been as much the physical, but there's an emotional and mental aspect of it that people don't really think about that haven't gone into it. Like you have to, at least for me, and I think a lot of the other challengers will attest to this, you got to get your mind right. And you got it because when you go into that environment, it is, yeah, it's physical, but dude, just you have to be ready upstairs. And and I'm not talking about playing then the political game and trying to get all that figured out. Just to be in that environment, it's a pressure cooker, man. And when your head's constantly on a swivel, it, it wears on you. But yeah, I was not in shape at all <laughs> for the Gauntlet 3. And then same thing was true for uh, the Duel 2. Nehemiah and I got called after that fight between Adam and, and CT. And again, we were flown out within two days of receiving that call, having to fly halfway across the world. And then, bam, we, we finally get there after 30 some odd hours of traveling. And we compete the next day in that little rugby thing that we did. Like it was, it was insane. I, I think I could have done a lot better on, 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 Duel on the duel two. If I would have been there out the gate, um, I would have definitely made it to the final in that one. I don't think I was ready for the gauntlet. The gauntlet three. I mean, I lost to Frank. <laughs> that oh my god, the the foreshadow of that was crazy because I think earlier that episode they cut to a confessional of you saying that Frank was a nerd, <laughs> and then Bro. like the way that foreshadowed was crazy. Bro. But the contraptions that they put on you guys, people don't realize that this shit hurts. Because I had Naya on, and she had a similar situation where she had, like, nerve damage from a similar situation or elimination that you competed in Frank against. Yeah, dude. That that was my foot against Frank. Totally fell asleep. But Frank, I mean, kudos to Frank. He beat me. He should have never beat me. But he outsmarted me in that because he knew that I was probably – out of shape and he'd let me just wear myself out as he just dropped all of his body weight down on the sand and let me Dug pull, a hole. Pull, pull until I didn't have anything left in my foot because they put that around your ankle and it just cuts all of the blood off to your foot but I haven't even talked to Frank since then but I'm wondering if, if he felt the same thing I was like it was bad bro I was I was I didn't have like nerve damage or anything but I was limping around forever um but yeah, that was that was a hell of a political game. That Gauntlet Three. That was that was a that was a that was a heck of a setup there for sure. Had you made it out of that elimination, you might have won that season based on what happened in that final with Big Easy. I think so. I think so. If I could have just gotten through through that one right there, which whatever. See, now I'm starting <laughs> to get riled up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> It could it could have totally changed my uh, my my challenge stats for sure, but whatever, it's okay. So this this will be a last question for you now. Who, if you had to choose one person in the history of the show to go up against in like a elimination, who would you uh, who would be your guy that you would want to go toe to toe with? Man, I I have to to just say it, dude. I uh, I think size wise. The person that I'm most similar to is is Mark Long. I mean, he and I literally are the same human. Um, we're both right at six three, you know, two twenty five, two thirty, kind of go up and and down from that. So he and I would be a really good matchup. Who knows? He and I are about to be on a show together. Could be. Um, yeah, but somebody that I have always wanted to to go against would have to be ct it would have to be you know because he he's supposed to be the big bad dude and uh he his stats are are great and and does good you know the john banana guy um i would whip his ass and i really don't have any beef with him i just you know he's he's the guy that is a big name and is, has all the wins so you gotta poke fun at him for sure uh, so let me just put that on the record here it's on record nothing again i got nothing against johnny 
bananas. He's is great for the show and the brand and has, has done a fantastic job. Uh, but no, I first met him whenever we were uh, we did this big reunion show for all of the real worlds uh, where we they they flew us all out to L.A. And I think his show had just aired. It was like an award show. The real world bash. The real world bash. Oh, my God. That was a shit show. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was that was not smart for them to. I mean, they threw the host in before we ever even started. It, it was a whole deal. But I had met him then, and that's the only time I had met him. And he was just, like, real green and just, <sighs> like, happy to be there and be around everybody. And, and it was – so it's been cool to see the success that he's had with the show. But I'd still whip his ass. I mean, I, I do mean that. <laughs> There's this other guy in the flagship, Fassie. I don't know if you've heard of him. I've seen a lot of people compare him to you. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know much. I don't. I don't really know much about him. Uh, I think he was a college football player. I do know that Tennessee Chattanooga, I believe. Yeah, he played at a at a lower level school, but um, he. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I. He's not even on my radar, really. I mean, he's young. You always got to take yeah. age into age into account but i just hope we get the opportunity to go against them you know i I would love the opportunity to for us ogs to truly and not even trying to sling mud or, or or build hype or anything like that but for me personally to be able to compete with the other ogs against some of these young bloods and and the more new school kids to see how it would play out and and truly let us ogs work together to do it and not try to pit us against one another to go in but truly let us work as a team to beat them and yeah they, they can come up with some way where maybe the other team gets to pick who goes in and, and do all that but I, I think it would be a great show i do and and there's just a there's a difference in the way that we play the game um and you can't, I'm telling you, man, the Mark Longs of the world, Darrell still got some, some gas in the tank. CT you know? clearly has some gas in the yeah. tank. He's won the last two. Yeah, man. Uh, like there's a lot more to the game other than just being uh, a physical specimen. But so, geez, we're still put together, my friend. I mean, I'm stronger now than I ever have been. You know, wow. I mean, that's one of, that's one of the great things about, getting back into this world is that you um, you start training like a, a, a true athlete again. And that's what I did before going back to season three. I mean, I, I almost look like a totally different person and I'm, I'm excited to kind of see the show to kind of see the, the difference between physically what I look like. Cause I was, I came back and they asked me to do season three. Literally I was flying back stateside from Mexico I got the call before I even left Mexico saying, hey, we're going to be doing season three. Would you be interested in doing it? I'm like, sure. And so from that moment on, like there was no downtime. I came back and started training like a pro athlete. So. It's a it's a it's a bug, man, for those guys that, you know, had once played in their prime and then to kind of still be able to train as an athlete and be able to compete mm-hmm. like one, too, is definitely something that is uh it's cool peaks, peaks the interest yeah it's cool bro for sure well mike this has been great man i appreciate you having me on you're everything that that everybody's been saying you're very professional very good at your job ask good questions i appreciate that thanks so much for uh giving me your time today i look forward to uh putting this out and for those that have tuned in you could check mj out again in six days on may 11th on paramount plus mj thank you again and uh, i wish you the best of luck sir I appreciate it, man. I'm sure we'll talk again. All right. Peace out.